doesn't answer one of Job's questions. Not one. He literally says, well, Job, where were you when I created everything? And then God goes through the whole litany of all that he created. And in the end of the day, he doesn't answer one of Job's questions. And like, you ask yourself, why is that in the Bible? Well, because what it teaches us is that God is not obligated to answer our questions. He is sovereign and he is wise. And so if God hasn't answered your questions, the key is to trust him and keep moving forward. We're so used to having the answers to almost everything at our fingertips. We Google it or use whatever search function you have available, and having our curiosity satisfied, it happens instantly. But as Pastor Daniel's teaching, it doesn't work that way with God. You probably have questions you'd like God to give you an answer for, but he's chosen not to give you that right now. Today's teaching should help you learn to be content with what you already know. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 10, as he continues his message, The Little Book. Jumping on in, it says this, Revelation 10, verse 1, says, I, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars and when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Okay, so first let me give you the principle that we're gonna kind of pull out of this and then we'll kind of unpack what we're seeing here. Really what we learn here is that God keeps some things secret. Because when he hears the seven thunders, he wants to write down what they're saying and he says, oh no, don't write it down, seal that up. So you get this idea that sometimes God keeps certain things secret. And it's, now you get why I did the intro the way I did it. There's certain things that God isn't going to explain to us. But you imagine here, John is seeing, and John's vantage point is unique here because he can see this angel who comes down who puts one foot on the land and one foot on the sea. And you have this idea that John has this unique vantage point for what he's seeing. So there's this angel that comes on down. He's coming down from heaven. He's clothed in a cloud with a rainbow on his head. And his face was like the sun. So his face was radiant and white with light. And his feet are like pillars of fire. And he has a little book and it's an open book. He's got this scroll and he has one foot on the land. He has one foot on the sea. And then he cries out with a loud voice and his voice is as loud as when a lion roars. So remember we talked about the symbolic interpretation of the book of Revelation. We can get lost in all the symbolism of the rainbow and the light face and the feet of fire. I mean, there's all biblical references to all of this stuff. And that's why we can study the book of Revelation for the rest of our lives and we can dial all these things down. If you're a Bible nerd, I like to tell people if you're going to be a nerd, I mean, listen, you should all want to be nerds. That means you're smart. That used to be a pejorative term. Now it's a popular term. So be a nerd. And if you're going to be a nerd, make sure you're also a Bible nerd with whatever else you nerd out on. So be a nerd in your craft, in your field, and be a Bible nerd. So I would love for you to go 
race all these things down because there's all sorts of imagery from all the prophets, all through the Bible. It's all there for you. But I don't really think that that's the point. John's just explaining. He's seeing this angel. And this angel opens her mouth. It's like a lion's roar. And then when that happens, the cry of the angel... Then all of a sudden, there's seven thunders that utter their voices. So, so now you have the idea of when thunder, a thunder crash or that, or that sound, now it's actually being personified is that they're speaking and John hears what they're saying and he goes to write it all down and then he hears this voice from heaven that says, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Now, that's why I say that God keeps some things secret because really in all the revealing that's happening in the book of Revelation, this is the first time God's like, no, no, I don't want anyone to know what just got said. Now that's challenging to us because how many of you are like, I want to know what they said? I know some of you are going to go home and I don't blame you. Like, Lord, Lord, you know what those seven thunder claps, you know what they said? I want you to tell me. Because we don't like feeling like we're not in the know, but sometimes God keeps certain things from us. And that's just part of the journey. Part of the journey of life is when you say, God, why did that happen? Sometimes God doesn't tell you. And for a lot of us, because we're so used to getting what we want, God's desire for whatever reason to not answer those questions drive people away from the Lord. But really, we have to remember that God is all-knowing and we are not. God is infinite and we are not. And God knows why he withholds certain information from us as much as we may want it. Listen to Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. I love that. All of the wisdom is the Lord's. And the things that God chooses to reveal to us belong to us and to the legacy of our children that we may do all the words of his law. Now, this teaches us something so important. When God doesn't give you the answer to your question, your job is not to lament what you don't know. Your job is to activate what you do know. If he chooses not to reveal why, the purposes of it, why it's like that, our job is to take what he has revealed to us and that we may do all the words of his law. See, the key for us, and it's an old saying, when you're stuck, don't worry about what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. And what I have learned is that every time something goes on that makes no sense to me, and listen, that's a lot of the time. I fancy myself as a decently intelligent person, but then I live with myself and I'm like, I, the number of things I don't get are extraordinary. So when things happen and it's bewildering, I can either get frustrated, throw like a little temper tantrum, spiritually speaking, and oh God, why don't you tell me what's happening? And if you were a good God, you would do this. And you try and manipulate God. And God, like God, he knows all of that garbage. He knows what's in all of us. So like, you're not gonna work, you're not gonna reverse psychologize God. You know, I mean, like, we get like that. We're like, oh, Lord, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, and the Lord's just like, oh, oh, you know. And doesn't nobody tell you when that happens. 
But what I'm constantly coming back to is that God doesn't tell me to only trust him when I understand. He asks me to trust him when I don't understand. He called Abram and he said, Abram, I want you to leave your father and mother and I want you to to get out of here and I'll show you where we're going. If Abram was one of us, he'd be like, well, I'm not going until you show me what to put in my GPS. I'm definitely not walking. No way. I ain't going anywhere, right? But the thing is, is when God invites you to walk by faith, what's the problem with walking by faith? You gotta walk by faith. And walking by faith means you don't have all the information. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't know the height of arrogance, and I say this all the time, so I'm just confessing. I always say, confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation. How many times I'd say, if I was God, I wouldn't have done it that way. Now, the only thing that gives me any solace is you all do the same thing. It's like, he's like, if I'm God, it's not going that way, which shows the arrogance of our hearts because we're not God. I mean, like our vision of what is happening, our ability to sustain anything is so small. So the key for us is when we don't understand, when God is choosing to withhold just the way, for whatever reason, The Lord's design was for us to never know what these seven thunders uttered. John wanted to write it down. He heard it, but it wasn't. It was only for John. It wasn't for us. Our job is to say, God, even though I don't know what the seven thunders uttered, I trust you. God, even though you're choosing to withhold from me that revelation, God, I can walk forward trusting you. And I believe that for many of you right now, this is essential to your fruitfulness as a believer. Because for so many of us, we're stuck about something we don't know and Satan is taking that thing that we don't know that he knows is bugging us and he's amplifying in our hearts. He's saying, oh yeah, that's why you can't believe in God because God didn't tell you and you prayed and God didn't act that way and all these things. And it's one of the ways the enemy grabs hold of a believer and shipwrecks our faith because what he does is he says, because God didn't tell you, obviously God isn't real or God doesn't love you. And I'm here to tell you, a loving God doesn't need to tell us everything. Because we can trust that he's a loving God. We can trust that for some, maybe God is more glorified in us choosing to trust him than for him telling us all the details so that we can walk forward with certainty. So my friend, do not allow what God chooses to keep secret to keep you from following after the God who created and sustains us. And I think that it's one of the ways the enemy works over time, especially in this generation, because we're so used to, we want, I mean, listen, you go on your phone, you go on your computer, you borrow your friend's computer, you can find so much information about so many things. It's truly extraordinary the day and age in which we live in. I remember back in the day when I wanted to know something, I had to go to a library, there's this thing called the Dewey Decimal System. I would live with the reference librarian, literally like, hey, I can't find these books. Well, don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Like, does anybody understand the Dewey Decimal System? And you say it to a librarian, they get mad at you. Like, what do you mean? Everyone knows the Dewey. I don't understand this thing. Just how, I just need to find out who Voltaire was. I mean, who was Voltaire? Now you just go up, you type Voltaire. Even if you spell it wrong, it still comes up. <laughs> Everything you never wanted to know about Voltaire. You know, like, like at any point, anything that pops in my head, I'm like, ooh, that's so fascinating. And I just I Google it, you know what I mean? Then before you know it, I have all this information. And so we're so used to having access to the information we think we need. But our God does not always tell us. He keeps certain things secret. And a great example of this, of course, is the book of Job. 
Or if some of you think it's the book of Job, it's actually Job, but it's spelled the same way. So Job is a guy's name. If you know the story, of course, Job loved the Lord. He loved his family. He was successful. But there's a showdown going on in heaven between the angels and Satan. And really, God's boasting about Job. And Satan's like, well, yeah, I mean, like, Job honors you because you bless him. And if you curse him. Now, people argue, is it a real happening? Is it a story? Is it an allegory? That's a different discussion for another day. We're studying Revelation. We have enough problems. But really what goes on is that Job loses everything. Like he loses his health, he loses his family, all of his resources. Ultimately, it seems like he loses his wife. Job's wife gets a bad rap because she was grieving too. She lost her house and her family. And so she's just told Job, like, you should just curse God and die. And oftentimes pastors give Job's wife a raw deal. I think, you know, she, she was hurting too. And when we're hurting, we're often not our best selves. We often don't dial it all in when we're in pain. But ultimately what goes on is Job's friends show up and they're cool in the beginning. They're just hanging with Job, not saying anything. They're just taking up space and being there for him. But then Job's friends start talking and they start accusing him. And literally you have like 30 chapters of the round robin discussion with Job's friends. And then ultimately God shows up and God doesn't answer one of Job's questions. Not one. He literally says, well, Job, where were you when I created everything? And then God goes through the whole litany of all that he created. And in the end of the day, he doesn't answer one of Job's questions. And like, you ask yourself, why is that in the Bible? Well, because what it teaches us is that God is not obligated to answer our questions. He is sovereign and he is wise. And so if God hasn't answered your questions, the key is to trust him and keep moving forward and act on what you do know. And what's so beautiful is we're actually gonna see that next because look at what happens. Back in Revelation chapter 10, verse five, it says, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it and earth and the things that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, what's so fascinating about this is what this teaches us is that take the revelation when it does come. Because even though God chose to keep secret what the seven thunders said, the angel who's there first swears by God And then he says that there should be no longer delay because once the seventh trumpet sounds, the seventh angel sounds, then the mystery of God would be finished. So there'd be a completion to the understanding of the mystery of God as he declared to his servants, the prophets. So he's saying that there's going to be a fulfillment of these mysteries, but he's already spoken these things to the prophets. So what we realize is when God chooses to keep things secret, then we trust him with that. And when God gives us revelation, we receive it as it is. So we act on what we know and we don't worry about what we don't know. And what's powerful here is we do learn a lot of things about the God who we're being asked to trust. Notice in verse six, when the angel, he swears by him who lives forever and ever. Talk about a revelation of who God is. God is eternal. That there is no dying with God. There is no shadow of turning with God. There is no end to God. Heaven and earth might pass away, but God will always be. 
You and I might make the transition from this life to the next, but God never changes. And I'm here to tell you, the reality of God being an eternal God is very, very important. Because in the grand scheme of things, you talk about wanting real biblical security. When I realize that my life is like a raindrop in an ocean, our God is the one who created all the raindrops and sustains the ocean. See, when I think that my life is like a grain of sand on a seashore, but it's my God who created all the grains of sand, the comfort that comes from the reality that God lives forever and ever, and that I was created by God, for God, and God's preferred destiny for my life is with him because of my faith in Jesus. That is such a comfort. When I realize, it's funny, you know, at, you know it's Crossroads birthday today. And it's really cool because at, yeah, I'm at Crossroads. So I was born like two months after Crossroads started. So I never have to forget my birthday. You know what I mean? As I'm like kind of cruising into the 50s, I'm not there yet, but I'm close. But it's just funny. I ran into somebody. I told you a story a little while ago. I ran into somebody else. They're like, man, you got a lot of gray. And I'm just like, man, your eyesight is so good. Like, of course I'm going gray. Like, this is what happens. I mean, what's my alternative? I can color my face. Can you imagine if I just did that? I came in all of a sudden one day, I'm all like black as You know what I mean? I used to be old and now no one thinks I'm old because I just colored my beard. You know what I mean? But here's the deal. It's like, as you get older, you start to think about what does this all mean? You know, like, I'm going into the age where my mom got cancer. My mom got diagnosed when she was 47. So I started thinking about, like, what does it all mean? And then you get really freaked out. You know what I mean? You're like, man, I'm going to be 50. Like, I never thought I'd be 50. You know, I'm going to live twice as long as Jimi Hendrix. Like, how's that possible, you know? But then you start to realize, but actually, I serve an eternal God. And whether he gives me 100 years or he gives me 47 years, my life is in the hands of him who holds eternity. And that's a great comfort to your soul because you realize that this is not all that there is. And not only is God eternal, but God is the creator of all things because the angels swore by the God who created heaven and all the things that are in it, the earth and all the things that are in it, the sea and all the things that are in it. The angel reminds us that our God is the creator God. And that's why your Bible begins, Genesis 1-1, throws the gauntlet down in contemporary culture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because you have God who creates all that there is. And I'm here to tell you, almost every battleground in our culture boils down to that first verse. Because if God created everything, then everything owes its allegiance and how we look at the world to that lens. And when we live in a world where it says, no, 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 listen, you're just the evolution from an animal. Then you treat people in accordance with that origin story. It's how it works. I'm here to tell you, every single battleground in our culture, it all goes back to Genesis 1-1. Because the belief in God changes the dignity of creation. Because God created the heavens and the earth, everything, every person, all of creation has inherent dignity because they were created by God. But once you remove that, what you have is it's a dog-eat-dog world. And so for us, God, not only is God eternal, 
but God is the creator. And then we learn, of course, that the seventh trumpet will be the fulfillment because the seventh trumpet gives way to the seven vials. And then before you know it, Jesus comes back and we get a new heaven and a new earth. So really what we find here is that when God does give us that revelation, we receive and we take the revelation when it comes. And of course, Amos chapter three, verse seven says it this way. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. I love that. That God is always, in a sense, breadcrumbing us with what's happening. He's showing us, here's what it is. And listen, I hope you're reading through the Bible with us. We're in the prophet Isaiah right now in our Through the Bible reading plan as a church. We have that free Crossroads mobile app. You know, I was just talking to my kids about it because every morning I listen to the Bible through the Crossroads mobile app. It's part of my devotional time. Just press, boom, hit the button. I read along in my Bible. You know, and it's amazing, all the stuff, there's so, every single day, I'm like, oh, that's so powerful as we're listening to these different areas because God does and has revealed a lot to us. So if we realize that God holds certain things, keeps them secret from us, we have to trust him with it, and he does reveal some things to us, what should we do? Well, look at what happens next. Revelation 10, verse eight. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, spoke to me again and said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And so I went to the angel, verse nine, and I said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, really powerful, right? All of a sudden, the voice which you heard from heaven, the one that said, hey, don't write what the seventh thunder said, says, I want you to go and take the little book that's in the hand of the angel when it stands on the sea. So what does John do? He goes and says, hey, can I have the book? And the angel said, take and eat it. So my friends, what's the application Eat the book. That's pretty much what it says. Eat the book. Now, I hope you know where I'm going to go with this. Because it's like it's right there. Listen, God's word. God's word is food. Jesus quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, a person shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is food. Eat the book, people. Jeremiah said this, I love this verse, Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found by me, O Lord, and I did eat it, and it became unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Jesus is God loves us so much. And if you love God, you naturally want to know more about Him. And as Pastor Daniel taught, because God is infinite, it's easy to get hung up sometimes about what God hasn't told you about Himself. This is where a lot of people have gotten off track with their relationship with God. Don't you be one of those believers. Focus on knowing all you can about God. The rest will take care of itself. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel starts his teaching from Revelation 11 titled, The Two Witnesses. You'll learn about what happens next in the saga of the last day's events and the next two people to come on the scene. Pastor Daniel will be showing the evidence of God's continued love for mankind, even as he uses these two people to execute his judgment on a continually rebellious people. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.